some stories have the word attached to them inconceivable and today I want to tell you an inconceivable story it's hard to know where to start the ending is a little bit my bad but no such thing as failure in life there are only learnings as all athletes in the world now know there's win or learn there is no fail and I would assume if you've listened to this podcast long enough you'll have the same belief at work there is either success or learn there is no option three so good morning good afternoon wherever you are this is Chris down on Bondi Beach Toddling along on the soft sand, or should I say stumbling along, learning how to walk after five years, still struggling to get a balanced core walking in the soft sand of Bondi. We're here today to talk about a story that spans a period of nearly 30 years, and it takes 30 years sometimes to close out the story and who knows whether the story is closed or not at this point I can say I think it is so 30 years ago I was on a small aeroplane uh, I think DC something a propeller aeroplane flying from Melbourne to Devonport in Tasmania which is where my mother is buried and where nearby uh, and now my father at the time he was still alive uh, Devonport was our family home before my mother died and uh, I was flying into Devonport it's quite a sentimental trip and I'm looking in the air, airline magazine and it goes uh, new health resort so 30 years ago that was a pretty weird thing a health resort and it was called Camp Eden in the Queensland or yes in, in the uh, Queensland hinterland uh, Corumban the uh, offering the place was just opening first week opening and the offering was fly to surface paradise they pick you up in a limo uh, a nice stretch limo drive you out to the uh, resort you go through the main gates and from then on it was organic veggies uh, walks in the mountains and luxury <laughs> and I thought wow what a wank wow 30 years ago what a wank I'm just going to check here for a minute. I was 35 years ago. Sorry, <laughs> bad information. 35. Anyway, I'm on the airplane reading this magazine, going, What a wank. Anyway, I arrive in Devonport, I rent a car, and I drive to Latrobe, where there is a cement factory. 
and the cement factory needed air pollution control and that was my business. So yep, before many of the people listening to this were born, I had an engineering firm with German technology. We built all the equipment ourselves uh, and we had a thriving business, uh, factory, uh, sheet metal shop, uh, welding, cranes and trucks and God knows what and uh, a team of draftspeople designing duct work for airplane. Anyway, we're off track. So back to the story. So I'm in La Launce, I'm going to Latrobe to where there's a cement factory and it just so happens I was born there. I was born in Latrobe Hospital. <laughs> so again, a little bit of serendipity. I get to the factory, not easy to find and uh, the plan was I do the work, go back to the airport and fly out. Now, 35 years ago, I had one of the first mobile phones. Now, none of you will remember them, I doubt, unless you're over the age of 50. But a first mobile phone had a battery about the size of a car battery. The phone sat on top with a cord connected to this bag and uh, you still dialed, Siri didn't exist. And if you were lucky, you'd connect to some sort of way station uh, and you could make a phone call. And I had one of these. I also had a portable computer, which was a desktop computer in a carry bag with cushioning, the first Mac with a little baby screen. That was a portable computer back in those days. So I was Mr. Technology flying around doing all these jobs in, in uh, engineering. So I get to the cement factory and the guy I was meant to see, the plant manager, was sick. So I was given a, an, another person to work with to uh, design this air pollution system for this cement factory. And he turned up, beautifully groomed grey hair, white shirt, tie, suit. Now, I just want to go back and remind you that I'm in a cement factory in Latrobe, Tasmania. The normal clothing for most people would be some sort of military looking shirt, grey, uh, with the company logo on it, uh, work boots, steel cap work boots, and uh, a pair of, you know, khaki pants. So this guy was way, way, way overdressed. And I thought, shit, I've got the chairman of the board or something. Anyway, we sat down in the tea room and I said, what the name of goodness are you doing talking to me here today? What's this going on? He goes, well, I've been sent here from Vickers Ruwalt, who were the owner of the cement factory in uh, Victoria. Victoria it used to have the skipping girl sign above the... I'm from Vickers Ruwalt and I used to be the, the general manager of Vickers Ruwalt and uh, I had a 
I had a nervous breakdown and uh, they sent me here to recuperate. So I'm here, seconded to here to, for 12 months with my family to get over my nervous breakdown. I said, Jesus, nervous breakdown, my God. And I, you know, I felt for the guy because he was like really a sore thumb. He stuck out like a swollen thumb in a glove. And I said, well, that's the most awful thing I've heard. And I said, what's, what's a nervous breakdown? Because I never heard, I'd heard, suppose I'd heard of it, but I didn't really understand. He goes, well, it's not a thing that happens. Uh, he said, it grows on you. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, it's like, like a swamp slowly, slowly getting smelly, but the neighbors that live near the swamp don't realize it's smelly because they get used to it every day. And I said, shit, what, 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 what like, he said, well, started off, I got just out of the blue. He said, I used to catch the train to work or the bus. And he said, I started getting claustrophobia when there was more than 10 people in the train carriage. I went, he said, yeah, I started to feel like a panic attack coming on when I was in a crowd. And I went, I sort of, I've sort of had that on an aeroplane once or twice, feeling a little claustrophobic and overcrowded when the door shut. So he goes, and that got worse and worse to the point where I struggled to get to work on public transport. So I had to drive. And then when I was stuck in traffic, I got agitated and a little bit, not, not road rage, but a little bit agitated. And he goes, yeah, that was the next thing. He said, I, I was just getting a little bit edgy all the time. And I said, shit, well, I'm certainly driving my Porsche to work or the family Range Rover. I've certainly had that feeling. <laughs> Goodness me, isn't that funny? And he goes, the next thing I started doing, which was like really weird, is sitting bolt upright in bed, just in the middle of the night, sitting bolt upright, wide awake. And I went, well, now this is getting a bit stupid because for the last six months, I've probably done that once a month, just sat bolt upright and gone, well, here we are. How are you today? What's going on? Like wide awake and been completely unable to get back to sleep. And I go, nah, come on, this is ridiculous, stupid. And he goes, and the next thing that started to happen was I got really, really um, addicted to caffeine, anything, because he said, I start to feel really, really sleepy during the workday. And, and, and in the end, I had to set up at my luxury offices at Vickers Ruard, I had to set up a room where I could take a nap during the working day. And I said, shit, you need So I was getting sleepless, I was sleeping at work, I was getting addicted to caffeine, and, and every now and again, a little hitting the turps a little bit hard at night when I got home from work. I was getting grumpy with the family, I was short-tempered in the car. 
And I'm going, yeah, well, so far, what I've heard, anybody could be going through that stuff. And he goes, and then the worst of it. He said, I started uh, deluding, getting paranoia. Paranoia? I said, what's paranoia? What, what, what do you mean by paranoia? He goes, well, I, saw, well, I felt somebody was spying on me or that everybody I was talking to didn't trust me or that they were, they were uh, uh, doing espionage on me or they were reporting me. I thought everybody was reporting on me to my boss or to the board. I thought, so I couldn't trust anybody. I couldn't trust my wife. I thought she was having an affair. I couldn't trust my kids. I couldn't trust my neighbours. He said, I started to develop this incredible uh, delusion, paranoia about trust. And he said, that's when I had to go and see the company psychologist who said, no, everything's all right. You're just a bit stressed. And he goes, and bit by bit, I became somebody else a little bit, not who I, who I normally was. And bit by bit, I got used to it until I put on a bit of weight. I'd made some stupid decisions with the business and I started to get like uh, questions about the quality of my work. And he said, that's when the shit hit the fan because then I got really determined to do a good job and the more determined I got to do a good job, the more paranoid I got about doing a bad job. And he says, I had six months and it took six months for me to finally put my hand up and go, something's seriously wrong. And I only knew it when somebody else identified it. So finally I went to the doctor and the doctor says, yeah, you've, you're having or had a nervous breakdown. And he said, I was trembling a little bit in my hands. I couldn't sit still. And he said, I had to put my hand up and go, I've, I'm having or had a nervous breakdown. But it was six, probably 12 months of this developing symptoms of what's going on. And I'm sitting there with my mouth wide open. I'm sitting there like I'm staring into the headlights of a car coming straight at me in the freeway. I was having the symptoms he was having, but I had become used to it. So I was like, I finished the job as quickly as I could on the site, said thank you very much, jumped back in the car, and with my house brick uh, battery-sized mobile phone made a phone call to that airline magazine place called Camp Eden and I booked myself in and so I went back to Devonport instead of staying the night I flew straight up and I became the first one of the first 12 people to visit Camp Eden and I went got picked up at the airport so when I got picked up at the airport by a limousine, this is the first time I'd been in a stretch limo, I was like in, in seventh heaven. I paid for it, I had plenty of money. And they took me to this gorgeous resort, green, a lush hinterland of Queensland. It's, it's this beautiful landscape with uh, beautiful wooden buildings crafted out of timber and done organically and fresh. And I uh, joined 12 or 11 other people. Now, in that 11 were, uh, I give them false names just in case they still uh, exist, but there was 
uh, Sergio the Roof Tyler, mm. who now owned restaurants up on the Gold Coast, uh, Italian restaurants. There was Mario, the big tall guy who just came out of prison from uh, robbery, armed robbery. There was Maria, who worked in South Australia in personal growth, which I think is another word for prostitution. There was uh, three or four other people who, well, shifty might be a, a, a polite word to call it. Anyway, I was with the Italian Mafia, which was probably where some of the funding money came to build the place. I'm not sure. Anyway, long story. We spent a week together walking in the woods. Certain, uh, Mario, the, the restaurant owner, I think I've given everyone false names, but let's say Mario, the restaurant owner, he uh, slipped out every night, drove to his restaurant and picked up prawns, garlic prawns, and bought them back so that at two o'clock in the morning, we all got up when all the staff went to sleep and ate garlic prawns, much to the chagrin of the organic uh, vegetarian uh, chef the next morning because they could smell something was, <laughs> if you can excuse the pun, fishy. Anyway, we spent this week and part of the week was to sit in a therapy circle, uh, not dissimilar to the ones you see on TV when people do, you know, in jails and stuff or if you, if you ever watch uh, Get Shorty, you'll see uh, uh, an example of it, uh, the, not the movie, but the series. You sit in a circle and you share your shit and someone in the circle is the, the supervisor. Anyway, long story short, everyone shared their true story <laughs> or as true as they were willing to share in front of uh, people like uh, me. And I shared mine. Mine was this. I'm having an affair. I'm running a business. Um, I'm in love with the other woman. I don't love my wife anymore. I've got three kids. Uh, that, you know, it's really shitty at home. Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the instructor of the group, Gary, <coughs> who I will, he's continued part of this story. Gary uh, uh, said to everybody, what's the feedback? And the feedback simply was this, you deserve to be loved for who you are. And that meant that if your wife really loved you, Chris, with your three kids, and you tell her that you're in love with somebody else, she should, in theory, still love you when you tell her. Which was, well, to say the least, stupid. And so, at the end of this amazing week where I ate organic food, apart from prawns, I um, went on magnificent bushwalks up into the, mount, up into the hills of, of Kurumban hinterland, I bathed in a creek naked, uh, in a beautiful fresh creek. I shared day and night stories in these therapy rooms. I had massage after massage, which was all included. I got hosed. It's a water spray hosing massage process. Uh, amazing. And I met some really great staff. I loved the place and it loved me. So at the end of it, I jumped the airplane, head back to Melbourne, 
there's no more uh, nervous breakdown on the horizon. I, I think I'm cured and I walk in the front door and I say to my wife, I'm having an affair, I'm in love with the other woman and she said, fuck off. Which is 100% perfect. Well, I didn't think so at the time. I went down into a state of uh, nervous breakdown. Uh, <laughs> so everything that I gained, I lost and I went into a state of terrible trauma and uh, because I didn't want to lose my kids and blah, 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 even though I was in love with another woman, la, 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 terrible, terrible, stupid, stupid. Anyway, the story continues that uh, uh, we tried through counseling and all sorts of ridiculous uh, interventions to sort ourselves out. We went to Paris for a holiday, we went to the Gold Coast, went to the um, uh, uh, Whitsundays and hired a boat with a with a captain and she shagged my partner shagged the captain anyway long story short six months later she says my turn to go to camp eden naively i go yeah sure she goes up there and she joins a circle with a bunch of people and gary's there and gary says you deserve to be loved for who you are so my wife turns up back at home she says i'm having an affair with your best friend and i'm in love with him well if i wasn't having a nervous breakdown before that i was certainly going through some sort of uh, emotional mental crisis after it so the shit hit the fan I went chasing the guy with the gun and uh, trauma 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 excitement 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 therapy 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 six months later we moved to Sydney to make a fresh start I sold the business I uh, let go of um, millions of dollars of equity in the business just to get out the Germans punished me because I had a license with them and I was meant to be there long term and they'd invested all their technology in, in us. So they punished me by reducing the value of the business and I really uh, sunk a ship. We moved to Sydney, we bought a house in uh, Manly and uh, we, I went back to university to do an MBA and that's a really fantastic story. End of Camp Eden, nothing more is going to happen. Anyway, the, the long and the short of it is my partner, my wife, was in, really in love and I was not, I was in lust. She was really in love and there was no coming back from her new found uh, relation with my old best mate who was my rowing coach. And uh, so it all went to shit up in Sydney and uh, the business we owned, Pimple Preschool Kindergarten, became collateral damage. She got that, she got the house, she got the kids and she moved back to Melbourne. I went on a journey of trying to find out what the name of crikey makes a person do such stupid things. What is a nervous breakdown? How do you prevent it? How do you, how do you not get divorced? How do you live with, with integrity? Which is something that I, as I built that business in Melbourne, got bigger and bigger and I got less and less capable of managing it. So I went back to uni. I went to India. I went to Nepal. I went all over the world trying to find out how, to, how do you... How do you live a life that's not got this end result? And along the way, I learned a lot of stuff. So at one point, I contact Campine. <laughs> that's, that's a long story. But I contact Campine and I say, look, I'm running retreats all over the world for, for corporate groups. Would you like me to take over the whole Campine, which can house about 35 people, once a month, and run the Chris Walker Balance Program. And they said, what, you will pay out the whole 35 rooms 
once a month and uh, uh, you will you will oversee the balance program and we will facilitate all the massage and the counseling and all the bushwalks I said yeah absolutely it's the it's the it's the ideal place for a corporate person to come if the word balance triggers them and they say yeah, I need rebalancing so we started and I had men and women flying in with helicopters from all over the, the country and from overseas, people from Hong Kong and China that I still know today. It's uh, 25 years later. And they came to the camping uh, program, the balance program. Changed their life. They learned about the universal laws of nature. They learned about being inspired. They learned about all the things that I still teach, but I teach better now than I did before. And Camp Eden became an oasis for people. And it got better and better and better. And, and at one of these programs, this gorgeous, stunning, delicious, blonde lady arrived. She's a, a, a fashion model. And I went, and, and she and I, part of, by the way, part of my program in Camp Eden was doing a sweat lodge where you strip down as far as you can. It's about 10 o'clock at night, it's in the dark. You, you have an open fire and a whole lot of beautiful things, ceremonial stuff, lots of mosquitoes, and you get inside what's sort of a dome tent. It's a, I don't want to distract the story by going into a sweat lodge, and you sit in there and you, get, you do a vision quest. So everybody who did one of those balanced programs with me at Camp Eden experienced a sweat lodge. At this sweat lodge, on one particular night, this blonde lady and I looked eye to eye in each other's face and fell madly in love. It was, it took every piece of control not to share a cabin that night, uh, and we didn't, and uh, life went on and we met up in Sydney, uh, in Melbourne, uh, no, in Sydney, that's right, we met up in Sydney a couple of weeks later and we started dating. Not long after we started dating, I find out that she is the ex-wife of the owner of Camp Eden. But she's not quite ex yet because they've divorced, they've separated, but she occasionally goes up and spends the weekend with him. And she was there at Camp Eden because he paid for it and it's his resort so he can do what he wants. So I, start, I go, holy shit, now what? So this guy rings me up the owner of Camp Eden says, you dirty bastard shagging somebody who was in one of your programs. That's the end of your programs at Camp Eden. So I shot myself really through the foot and I said to him, look, I'm not going to tell you what to do and what not to do with your life, but if your ex wants to date me, I'm open to that and I'm not going to change that just because you don't like it because she's your ex. She came along with a little bit of baggage, uh, uh, to say the least, including a six-year-old boy. Uh, and we tried uh, desperately to live happily ever after under the shadow of this very, very, very wealthy, and, and I'm talking extreme wealth, a man who was very, very, very pissed off about being very, very uh, cheated by a guy who was given the privilege of running workshops at Camp Eden, but ended up shagging his ex-wife. So that all smashed and came to an end. I then uh, was going out with uh, my partner and we were sort of planning to live happily ever after but he kept intervening and she kept sort of worrying about the millions of dollars that he was threatening to withdraw from her um, future and so we lived on shaky ground 
in the process, I start doing work with a company in Melbourne, in Sydney, and I walk in and, um, and, and I start doing this great work with this company and I meet the receptionist. And the receptionist just so happens to be the daughter of the business partner of the guy whose ex-partner I was living with. So now I'm working with a company whose who's PA at the reception and running the sort of running the business in a way was the daughter of the business partner of the guy that perceives that I've shitted on him. So now I've got this double complication because now the, 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 the trouble has migrated over into a fairly important piece of business. Long term, uh, my partner uh, and I finished up uh, amicably, but we finished up because it was just too hard with the ex beating her around the ears with millions of dollars of threats. And I started dating the lady who ran the business that was I was coaching. And I started dating her, who now has the PA, who is the daughter of the business partner of the other guy. And of course, that doesn't bode well. And it starts to, it becomes really complicated. The story's not finished, but for today, it will be finished. The long and the short of it is, you've just got to realize it's a very, 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 very small world, and everything you do is cause and effect, and everything you do will eventually, uh, as your world expands, form a network. But the story's not finished. I loved what I did at Camp Eden. The, taking people into resorts and taking people into a place where they can really separate themselves from the pressures and stresses of relationships and families and, and, uh, and give them good advice and guidance and teach them about the universal world. So I said, well, nothing's ever missing, it just changes in form. And the uh, Ritz-Carlton in Bali offered me a deal. They offered me this incredible uh, accommodation uh, deal for groups if I could raise them of more than 20 people, which I did. And we started running these awesome, awesome retreats up in Bali for 10 days in one of the best hotels in the world on the clifftop. I brought over my friend who teaches yoga. I brought over somebody else who does uh, some uh, uh, other processes. And we started running these uh, spectacular retreats in Bali and that Bali retreat is still going. I don't own it anymore, I don't run them anymore. It moved to Ubud up into the, the hills of Bali and became more focused on the physiological side of well-being and balance but they're still running 30, 20 years later. I took the philosophy I learnt at Camp Eden and I took it to Canada and we hired resorts all over Canada to do workshops for for companies or the government or for things. And so even now as I stand here on the beach at Bondi, telling a very much too long story, sharing with you what I've done, nothing's ever missing, it just changes in form. And here I am on the beach, in a pair of shorts, just like Camp Eden, in the open, talking to a group of people through the mechanism of a podcast, exactly as I would have done had I been still working with Camp Eden. So there was, 
in, in losing the, the process and losing the relation at Camp Eden, there was an evolution taking place. Now, I didn't describe it at that, at that time, but if I'd held on to it and cried into my soup and bemoaned the fact that I didn't have that resort in that way, in this structure, and I didn't have that relation with that woman, with her ex-husband, da-da-da-da. If, if, if I looked at it from the negative angle, I would still be stuck crying into the soup about what didn't happen and what could have happened at Camp Eden. In the meantime, that balance program, and I still have the brochures for it, that balance program has become a global entity the mechanism of delivery has become digitized, which means I'm not any longer locked into locating a thing at a resort. People can have their daily visit to Camp Eden by listening to a podcast for 10 minutes or 15 minutes every day as they go for a walk along their front garden. And so the efficiency and effectiveness and the, and the clarity and the engagement of millions of people that could never have attended Camp Eden in the hinterland of Queensland and driven, been driven there in a very expensive limousine. Millions of people are able to experience what you get from Camp Eden, including, including the coaching. Because if it's needed, I, I do one-on-one. -on -one. So you can see that nothing's ever missing, just changes in form. And when you tell this story and you hear about these clunky events, <clears throat> the guy in Tasmania, the, the phone call, the visit to Camp Eden, the mixing up, the get it coming home with silly information, the breaking of a marriage, the, the second breaking when she came home and told me the same thing and the broke down of the house and the loss of the money and the, 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 the reconnection to Camp Eden, it all looks like disaster after disaster, but it's not, it's evolution. If I knew in the beginning that the evolution of my work was to do things and build things and create things, but to not hold on to them, but to always look for the, how do I do things? How do I get more done in less time? <clears throat> I would have been not, not crying each time one of these events happened, but celebrating going, okay, I'm gonna replace that with that. I'm gonna build that with that. I'm gonna do it different and I would have had a completely different mindset all the way through. And that's what you get when you listen and talk to Chris now. You get a person who's devoted to the definition of evolution, which is get more done in less time. And that means letting go constantly of how you're currently doing it. If you need help, if this is not clear, if this story has touched a, a point in you, if you're experiencing any of the symptoms of nervous breakdown, sleeplessness, uh, sitting up at night, uh, a, a little bit of addiction, if you're experiencing any of those, it's because you're hanging on to a format. And it's time to look for different ways to do the same things. It's time to go digital. It's time to go global. It's time to expand. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. Have a great day. Bye for now.